and welcome to the Nature of Nantucket podcast. I'm Rich Blundell, the Disruptor in Residence at the Mariah Mitchell Association. Listeners may know that Mariah Mitchell was an advocate for bringing more imagination, beauty, and poetry, also known as art, into the sciences. Her perspective is manifesting this summer as a special Oika art exhibition that will culminate at the Mariah Mitchell Gallery at 33 Washington Street and as outdoor installations around the island. Over the past several weeks, I've been interviewing the cohort of artists who will be exhibiting their work. You can see links to these previous episodes in the show notes. This week, we pick up our exploration of how art and the lived experience of nature can help us heal people, places, and planet. Here is a conversation with the multimedia artist Dakota Clearwater LaCroix. I began by asking Dakota what he cares about most. I, I basically, you know, Rich, I think about what I care about. Like, I come from it in a place of experience and what I remember and realizing through probably embarrassing stories what I've come to care about, um, but also nurturing stories. And I grew up as a kid, pretty much an only kid. Uh, I have a half sister, but a lot of what nurtured me when I was perhaps feeling neglected or needing just to entertain myself and explore was nature. And I grew up in a small town in Vermont in an old um, town hall with 22 rooms in it and a library and the country store and the one-room schoolhouse across the street with just my mother and I. Um, And I explored nature and probably in many ways to heal myself uh, and to start a dialogue. I didn't know it at the time, but my father took his life early on. And so I had this sense of loss and I always felt at peace and at home building forts out in the woods. And from that, I would start to see rhythms and patterns of following a certain Creek uh, to where it would end in a mountainside and then stop to sit under a pine tree or build a fort. And I think in that, I had to return home in the evening and, and that became kind of stories I'd almost invent, you know, when you, you know, people don't like to admit this, but we always have a dialogue going inside our head. And I think when I was out there, I was able to start to feel um, as if there was a dialogue happening. I could witness by visiting a small, say hundred acre woods, uh, that space again and again, I could start to see patterns and rhythms and witness things that had me not feeling maybe so fearful. Um, And so I also learned that I could probably be more myself in nature, uh, talking out loud to a tree or listening to a bird uh, or a stream speak to me, whereas I was probably had to put on a mask when I was in public school or out and about as often a troubled kid. And so I think in many ways I was allowed to be heard and also hear, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. And I, I'm hearing lots of symmetries, you know, with what, how I experienced growing up and those formative years in a place, a very visceral mm. place, you know? Um, and it sounds yeah. to me like, 
there's an added element that you have, which is that the forest, like you said, a forest, a hundred acre forest or whatever, you know, a lot of mm. people, when they hear that feel something other than what you feel, they feel something more like dark or scary or, you know, somehow foreboding, but you feel refuge or, some, you know, not refuge as in, you know, you're trying to necessarily escape, but you feel a sanctuary. Maybe that's a better word. Um, so I think this is all interesting. Obviously, the basics are there. The raw materials of a certain kind of relationship with nature sound like they're there in your formative years. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So how does that project into um, what you care about? Well, I think once you, it's like, I've heard it said, you sound like the things you love or the people you love. And um, I think with anything, if you build a relationship with it, you naturally want to listen and care for it and start to, to ask questions. And in doing that, you then get information that you can share a story with. So I can suddenly you know, it's, it's not as kind of romanticized as maybe I'm making it out to be, you know, my adventures in the woods. I, I have um, embarrassing moments where like I traded one of my early guitars for an electric chainsaw. And I went out and cut all these saplings, like with a, an extension cord reeled out into the woods and then cried afterwards as I look at it, looked at what I had done. And so in that I could then bring that back out into quote unquote culture or the elementary school or in my life and be able to share that antidote or that somewhat a self-effacing kind of characteristic of who I am in relation to this thing that was always there for me. And so I may talk about nature in this, like I said, romanticized way, but it was really like having a pal or a buddy that I could explore with and I often would with other friends and so I think that's kind of translated into present day for me and again a lot of this stuff Rich is that aha comes later in life and you know I see some of the things that I've taken on and done and they've always kind of come back to this curiosity and this exploration and almost like what you see at first is not all that's there you know, the, you know, the kind of classic saying, whatever, you can't judge a book by its cover. And so I'd look out at the swamps and part of where I lived and you just look at it and you think, oh, lily pads everywhere. You, you can't even row your boat through there. And then on a warm summer evening, go climb in there with mud turtles and suddenly, you know, watch the stars come to life. And so I think a lot of these experiences I would take with me back out of this space and and share them and it informed my creativity as well you know early on with photography um with uh, walking and writing journaling um journalism so to speak um so it's it's come out in that that care is really for me comes out in the power of story and realizing uh that the story would always change each time I went out. And that was the thing, Rich, I get bored quickly. And so there was something so dynamic about that experience. And 
that's partially why I think I've taken on the particular type of storytelling that I have, uh, where you have to go out and observe almost like a detective and receive and then make something, listen to it and potentially co-create and make something from it. Right. And we're going to get into this, I think, but I just want to back up a little bit because you're going a long way down yeah. the road here and back up sure. just to that moment that you, you know, what you felt when you, as a child, cut down those trees. I think that's really mm. important. Like, I think it's, it, it sounds very similar to how I felt with the tuna, you know, with my whole tuna story and the sort of like the shame and the sort of dread and the what have I done kind of thing. I think that yeah. uh, that's a really important part of this is to go through that. It's a kind of trauma and um, to realize to, 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 it's, it's sort of necessary for coming of age as an organism on this planet to, mm. to realize that, you know, you have an impact in the world and uh, it could, you know, it could be an impact that, tends toward the destruction of the living world or toward the flourishing of the living world. And um, so not having, if, if you don't have that experience, you, you tend to not um, have the option to pursue the caring life that you're mm -hmm. talking about. Uh, yeah. So, and I, yeah. and I think also yeah. um, it sounds a lot like the, the imaginal, capacities of the child you know come to come into play when you are like to play they come they come into play when you play mm -hmm. and um wow that, i mean that's it <laughs> they come into play and yeah and and, yeah. and the world is helping you develop that imaginal create like you said that creative capacity that dynamism of the nature imprints its dynamism onto you and that expresses itself in the form of creativity and if you couple that creativity with the care that you've found then you know you've 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 set yourself up for uh, a, a kind of meaningful, purposeful life. <laughs> I know that all sounds very like big, but I think that's well, it, on. yeah, yeah. I I completely feel you on that because I we're we're meaning making machines, and I and I've told you the story before, but the story of like a shooting star or a meteorite. I don't know what the proper word would be, but landing. I saw it shoot across the sky, and I just walk the the rivers to where I could find this what I thought to be this kind of charred piece of rock and brought it home and put it on my porch and I lived on the main one of the main roads route 30 in Vermont that runs north south and it was gone a few days later and you know the it, just the joy of be it, it doesn't even matter if it was just a stone and it wasn't even this meteorite that I'd found but just the how that captivated me and took me out into the world. And I brought that back um, was, it still resonates with me. And mm. that's, I feel like the invitation that's, that's there. Yeah. yeah. And to that point, I'm in love right now on, on the property that I'm here uh, living on at the moment in upstate New York. I'm, I've just fallen in love with this hickory shagbark tree mm. and walking the creeks nearby and, so to that point, like there's, I also had that deep reverence because of the pain of witnessing the destruction that I caused as a young kid, but also in culture and in other places. I, the first time I ever saw an IMAX and then to, went to the theater and watched in the late eighties, the destruction of the Amazon rainforest and the album blues from the rainforest with uh, Merle Sanders and Jerry Garcia. I just wept at the 
the sheer destruction. And I'm sure it relates to that early childhood memory. And yet in this nearing 50 to be walking around the woods right now and suddenly uh, the tactile and the expression of this, this tree that sheds its bark, it, it, it's, it's like a living work, a, a you know, piece of art. It's, it's unreal and how much it moves me. And for the reasons I probably may never know, but I can feel them. Well, I'm beginning to see even more clearly now why we're working together. <laughs> so that all makes perfect sense. So um, what are we going to do? Like, like we have this, we found each other and we're going to try and initiate some kind of project. Um, and we've been going back and forth a little bit on this already. So what do you, what do you, yeah. what, do you what do you have in mind? Well, I, I mean, as I mentioned that tree and I often see other pieces, I'm interestingly, I'm, I'm always thinking in paradoxes, essential paradoxes in, in that the, the, the kind of opposites show us, you know, what's there, you know, the setup and the punchline. Right. And so I'll see that tree and I, I don't know why this is rich, but with almost anything like seeing these beautiful, what I think of pieces of art of living art. I'm always like, wow, the time I was in the inner city in Pigtown in Baltimore, when I was in the projects in New York City at 125th near the Apollo, like I, what if that tree were just there on the sidewalk decomposing? Like what would people's reaction to it and what story could it tell? So as a storyteller, I'm, I, for my life, always been, when I'm in the woods, I'm always thinking about where, what would the dialogue be and what kind of stories would serve telling that story of the woods? And when I'm in culture in the city, vice versa, what would it be like to, if people could experience it? So in many ways, Rich, I'm playing with not only how I tell stories to who, um, but the models and, and so the how, but the what as well. And you know, that'll involve everything from the stylization of, is it a sound piece predominantly? Is it haptics, a physical piece? Is it a simple story around the campfire? And I really have been trying to relearn and up my skills in that world of storytelling in almost like that great remembering and in realizing that I'm not adverse to this technology and I'm actually kind of excited of how it may potentially be used as a tool, as an entry point to go touch that uh, shag bark tree. You mentioned um, essential paradoxes. How do these, what, what are, yeah. what do you mean by essential paradoxes and how does the essential paradox serve the great remembering that you mentioned? Because I think we're habitual beings and neuroscience will have us, right, forming new habits around 52 or 53 days, uh, you know, new dendrites, I believe, if I have it right, um, the terminology I'm, I'm not certain of. But I think it's in that slight aha disruption, um, oh crap moment that we are jarred a little bit, we're shaken. That's the essential paradox you're talking awakened. about? Um, 
Well, I, I guess maybe that's a way to view it and that's a way to witness it in storytelling. So to back up a little bit, I would say the essential paradox is, you know, that both and that I'm always kind of going on about. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, why is it that something that I did that hurt me deeply and hurt these trees now has me mm -hmm. taking that negative force nice. and putting it to use in a positive momentum. And I heard somebody say much wiser than me, you know, the idea of that, like epiphanies are great for AA meetings and campfires, but in the moment they really suck. And so I'm saying in my, in some of our uh, heartbreak and our pain in those dark moments in there usually is a seedling for, something more to be revealed. And that's why I feel like it's essential in our nature, in this paradoxical nature, that very epic forest fire that will heat to a thousand degrees that's needed to unleash that seedling in a particular tree will then, of course, allow for things to grow in the next the future growth and evolution. So that's kind of what I mean by that essential paradox of feeling into what's happening with us now and recognizing if we can, when the time's right, that there's a deeper wisdom and story to be had from it, but it's still that quote unquote thing that we label bad still needs to happen essentially. Okay. Well, we're got plenty of bad going around, so we got that covered. Um, I guess my question would just be, we're in a, bit of a different context in other in other words it's one thing to yep. feel like when you feel that bad as a kid alone in the woods or as a fisherman out on the boat you know and you have to go through that that transformation that difficult realization of, of one's impact you know in the world and and the bad the dark whatever you want to call it i'm not sure that that's the best sell you know to just say you're on your own person go deal with your horribleness and trust us it'll be better on the end you'll become out you'll come out a more caring person i think we i think we need to do it more craftfully we need to do it with more um you know storytelling competency i think i mean oh yeah I, well I, I i guess i should be clear too i i, I forget what it, it's referred to as like where our heart beats automatically our lungs like we're not right. this is that to me is just the ground level sure. of existence and I'm, I, if anything, I think we need to come together deeply and radically retell our stories and share our yeah. stories. And when I mean our, I mean every, every sentient and non-sentient being like share those stories. And, and so when I speak of this essential paradox, I'm not uh, advocating for like going off and, and being living in a cave or the nihilistic viewpoint of existence. I'm just saying that's our, that's the ground level of, of my existence that I'm coming to understand. And so if anything, I really am reminded by these experiences, such as us coming together uh, through Oika and online through other projects in general, like that's just another remembrance of that tree moment for, for me as a kid. And how like, oh, that is pinging and that's that's also um, creating a, a, a language and a law of attraction um, 
that I have to, that's asking me really to wake up even further and participate further in. Yeah. I Hence think, the reason why I need to up, up my game of storytelling yeah. and the craft of it to, in service of that experience. Yeah.